everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Today I have with me the author of the Georgia Night Mystery Series. Her debut novel, Night Blind, was an author of Arthur Ellis Award finalist for Best Unpublished First Crime Novel in 2016. Her short stories have also been published in various anthologies. She's a member of Crime Writers of Canada, Sisters in Crime, and the Writers Guild of Alberta. It's my pleasure to introduce Alice Bienya. Bienya, sorry, <laughs> I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah, no, that was perfect. Oh, perfect great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. It helps okay. that I'm married to an Italian man whose name is Ikeangelo. And oh, yeah. <laughs> the way it looks, even though it should be in Italy, it would right. be. Right. <laughs> Maybe that helps. Um, anyway, thank you so much for being here today. Um, you have a very interesting background, geology. What kind of work did you do before you wrote novels full-time? Yeah, I was um, a geologist and I started off my career as a mineral geologist. And uh, so what that involved was going out in the field, uh, usually remote areas that hadn't been really explored before. And my job was to basically uh, map the area, try to figure out, you know, what lay in the subsurface. And we were looking for, you know, various mineral deposits, uh, copper, lead, zinc, uranium, later coal. And, um, and yeah, from there, I uh, migrated into the energy sector and uh, ended up uh, my career after about 30 years working as a consultant to the energy industry. So a um, lot of work in the bush, a lot of work living in tents and uh, yeah, and having some great experiences up in Northern Canada. Wow, what parts of Northern Canada? Yeah, so I worked in uh, Northern BC, Northern Alberta, British Columbia. I worked in the Arctic. Uh, I worked offshore uh, in the Beaufort Sea and uh, also in Eastern Canada offshore um, uh, on some uh, 
uh, drilling activity offshore um, in Eastern Canada as well. So um, yeah, most of my career took me to these wonderful, beautiful places in Canada that are uh, hardly ever seen by anyone. And um, yeah, filled with all kinds of interesting um, animals, environment. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, it was great. Did you get involved at all in sustainability uh, type work? Well, it you know, back in the day, uh, you know, a lot of people might not know this, but most of the companies had environmental departments and that was always a big concern. And so any project that we ran or got involved with, that was always a big concern. What's the impact? Not only, you know, once you found an economic deposit, it was always about, well, is this feasible to get it out? And where are you located? And, you know, what's the impact on, you know, any peoples living in the area and also the environment? So that was always a top consideration. And actually, a lot of the projects I worked on did not go forward because of a combination of things like um, negative impact on the environment and combined with possibly an uneconomic, unfeasible ability to get that hydrocarbon or that resource out of the ground. So it's only, you know, the rare finds and deposits that actually get turned into, you know, a mine or, or um, you know, are actually accessed. A lot of it never does get developed. Yeah, it has to be like a financial feasibility and exactly. certainly a certain amount of community buy-in, I would think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on with that. I used to do land use law, so. <laughs> oh, nice, yeah. And I worked with EPA for a while. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so you'd be very familiar, yeah. Very yeah, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about your series. What inspired you to create this particular protagonist? Well, it's it, it is interesting. I uh, I've always read like mysteries and and thrillers, suspense, uh, sort of that genre. So uh, when I started to write, I did want to uh, uh, write mysteries. I really like this sort of um, who done it. You know, uh, there's a murder or a crime, and and you know the reader goes on the journey. You know, with the author trying to figure this out, and. Uh, so I knew I wanted to write a mystery and I also wanted to write a, um, have my protagonist as a female who's, um, you know, this strong, you know, independent woman. She's, she's not going to rely on somebody else to save her. You know, she's, uh, she's determined, she's committed, you know, but she's also, you know, flawed in the sense that she's not perfect. She comes from, you know, a very sort of um, tough background. There's a lot of family trauma in her background. And uh, she um, has had terrible luck with men. So, you know, that aspect of her life isn't really going well. And uh, she's 38 when, when I opened the series and she has just, um, she used to be a uh, forensic analyst, worked in a lab and then a um, workplace incident uh, where this mass shooter basically a, form, a, a former employee who was disgruntled and, and came back uh, and uh, managed to take Georgia hostage. And, and so that's sort of the precursor to what happened. And after surviving that attack, 
you know, Georgia realizes that she's been living life, you know, a little too safely, you know, tucked away in the lab. And, you know, she's 38 and she really feels that she needs to get out there and put herself out there more and uh, experience more of what life has to offer. So, you know, becoming a private eye is sort of a short jump for her because she's very analytical in nature and doesn't require a ton of retraining because she, you know, does have to pay the bills and look after herself. So, so uh, yeah, that's the uh, character I created in, in Georgia. That's fantastic. Uh, how many books are out in the series? So I, I, uh, I'm just working on the sixth one, which will be out in uh, this fall. And uh, the fifth one came out in March, I guess, of this year. Uh, it's called Night Vision. So yeah, so I'm still working away and, and um, thinking about what I'm going to do with her next. <laughs> cool. Do you have a, um, a plan overall for how many you'd like to write in the series? Well, you know, I hope to keep writing as long as people keep reading them. Um, I, in my head, I sort of, when I started this, I thought maybe, you know, 12 books in the series. Uh, I have sort of a, a roughly drawn arc for the whole series. So, so I kind of figure that might take me, you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 books, you know, to, to wrap up the major arc. Good to have a plan like that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> some of us start with a plan and some of us don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You sound like a plotter versus a pantser. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I don't, yeah, I, I recognize I, a fellow, a fellow pantser, <laughs> plotter. <laughs> you can recognize them, right? Yeah, I, I don't write horribly detailed plots, but I do have to start with sort of an idea, the premise, and I have to have an outline of where I'm going. And even though all my books have ended up like the ending has always ended up different than what I had imagined at the beginning, you know, I still need that sort of rough outline, even if it's 10, 12 pages that kind of guides me, you know, as I put the thing together. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you need something to aim for even if right. your aim ends up being a little bit off, yeah. it happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. How would you describe your writing? Is it more thriller oriented or whodunit oriented? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, for me, I, you know, if you had asked me this, you know, three years ago or whatever, I would have said, you know, I, I thought I developed it and came at it from a plot basis. So, you know, there's there's a fair bit of action in the book itself. Um, you know, and then I realized that, you know, character plays a huge aspect of it because really it's, you know, Georgia and, and my understanding of the character that I created that, you know, and her response to situations that, that really drives the action, uh, you know, so, you know, which came first, I don't know, I think they sort of developed together. But I, I would describe myself, or the, the writing itself as more of a mystery suspense. Um, a lot of the reviewers today have, have thankfully said, it's a real page turner, and they can't put it down. And, but it's less thriller-esque in, in the true definition of a thriller, you know, in the, in the sense that you know who did it at the at the beginning and the protagonist is really just 
running to try to prevent bigger disaster from happening. And in my case, in the books I write, you know, it's more of a case of a murder or has been committed and Georgia's trying to find out what happened. But I do like to uh, weave in lots of twists and, and uh, you know, for me, it's, you know, those are the kind of books that keep me reading, right, is where, you know, the chapter ends and you look at the next chapter and you think, oh, it's only two pages, I got to read this, and, you know, <laughs> then it's 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I know, I love, I love it when that happens. <laughs> I love it and I hate it, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to read yet another chapter. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's so late, yet I, I just have to read this. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, can you think of a, a particularly memorable experience you had when you were working in the field before you started writing fiction? Oh, wow, there were so many. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah, I can think of tons. I mean, I, I've been, I worked on the offshore oil rigs and I, I was lucky enough to be evacuated twice in the middle of the night because the Arctic ice was building up and hammering the ship and we had to evacuate. So, so there were instances like that and, and uh, some of them were less fun than the other, but I, I will tell you one, you, you know, one thing working up north and a lot of times I was just working with a, one partner and we would go out in these fly camps. So a tent camp, two people, the helicopter would move you about every 10 days, bringing you supplies. And other than that, you were out there basically on your own. So, you know, for me, storytelling you know has always been sort of an important part of my life as well as reading so i used to uh you know i'd come back from these fly camps with these stories and you know one of my favorite was that i almost got killed by a reindeer and uh, i don't know if you know that christmas song mama almost got killed by a reindeer or however it was yeah so i i was out on traverse and and uh up in the Arctic and, and it's very barren and there's no trees and hardly any hills. And I had been uh, stalked by a barren land grizzly with two cubs about a month earlier. So I was still sort of on hyper alert. And uh, I noticed something moving on the horizon. And so of course, you know, what is that? Is that, you know, wolves? Is that a bear? Like, you know, what is that? And this object came closer and closer. And I realized that, oh, it's a, uh, it's a caribou actually. So it wasn't a reindeer, but in my story, it became, you know, a reindeer. But this caribou had this massive head of antlers and uh, he got closer and closer, you know, and I'm thinking, what is this caribou going to do? And suddenly he broke into a run and just ran past me, uh, ran at me. But in the last minute, I sort of ducked away and he ran past me and he plunged himself into a little pond that was behind me and as he roared by I noticed his whole face was covered in uh, black flies and mosquitoes because there were about a million of them there um, but anyway I, I chalked that up to a close call and uh, so later when I was telling the story I would start off with you know I almost got killed by a reindeer <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh my goodness so what authors most inspire you Oh, well, you know, I, I read quite widely and, and a lot of thriller suspense um, mystery writers. I, I think like a lot of um, authors like me who write mysteries, Agatha Christie, of course, was huge. You know, I loved her ability to, you know, take a simple scene, actually, 
and uh, weave a whole mystery you know into it with all these characters so uh, she was awesome I read of course a lot of Sue Grafton um, Sarah Paretsky you know those were some of my favorites and uh, so um, and this past year interestingly enough I discovered an author uh, he's been around for a while but I never came across him until about a year ago, and that's Anthony Horowitz. And uh, I just loved his Magpie Murders and Midsummer uh, Murders. I think it was this was another book of his. And uh, he he writes a contemporary sort of, but you know, it really reminds me of sort of Agatha Christie in some ways. And um, I, he's got these mysteries within a mystery, which I find quite intriguing and fascinating. So uh, yeah, lately I've been a very, become a very big uh, Anthony Horowitz fan. He sounds interesting. I'll definitely have <laughs> to check him out. Um, let's see, do you do a lot of research before you write or when you're writing? Uh, I, I don't beforehand, but then depending on the nature of the story or plot, I do find I have to like do some research uh, along the way to, you know, try to build in, you know, that element of realism, even though it is fiction. Uh, I know in Nightblind, my first, um, the first uh, novel I put out was, uh, there was a, a big element of uh, homelessness in it because um, George is looking for this person who, um, for her client, a, a, a relative that she never thought was alive because the client's relatives all seem to have perished during World War II, but she gets news that this individual might have survived. And so George is looking for him. And her search takes her into sort of the seamy east side of Calgary, where there's a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of, but it is the area where the home, there's a lot of homelessness. And um, so I had to do some research uh, on that. And, and uh, you know, I do have a few friends, one friend in particular, who's a social worker. So I did know some of the nature of the work that went along with that. But I did end up watching a number of documentaries, uh, interviews with people that had lost their homes or somehow found themselves on the street. And so that became a really good source of information for me to try to portray the characters in my book, not as caricature homeless people, but people that have a past, people that got themselves there through a whole series of difficulties. and. And uh, so that really meshed well with, you know, Georgia herself, her past life, and also her client's um, life, you know, uh, having escaped the Holocaust as a, as a child and all the trauma that got associated with that. So, yeah, I did a lot of research on that book. And um, yeah, so. A lot of work goes into that sort of thing. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Um... Do you have any advice to give for people who are interested in becoming writers for a living? Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, writers for a living. I think it's a difference to be, you know, like you can sit down and write pretty easily. It's the for a living part that's difficult. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I would say to somebody is, you know, if you have this hankering to write, you know, do it before I did. Like, don't wait 40 years <laughs> to start writing. So that I hear would that. <laughs> that would be number one. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, 
you know, I think I think a lot of authors have said, you know, get into the practice of writing, even if you start off just doing half an hour a day, you know, and building from there. But it's sort of a practice because it takes discipline. And the sooner you start that discipline of like just sitting down, even on the days you don't want to do it, you don't feel like doing it, you pretty much sit down. And it's amazing how many times if you force yourself to, to actually sit down, it works out well. Uh, you know, and uh, so it is developing that discipline. And, and the other thing I think, you know, when I look back on my own career and my own journey, I, I think it would be very hard to be a, a writer and earn a living at it if you were just, you know, graduated from school. Uh, I think it's important to have some life experiences that you can draw on, you know, when you're building your stories and your characters. Um, but it is a long, it's a long game. I mean, there is the author that occasionally has a big breakout and, and everybody hears about it, but it is a long game and it takes a while to build up a career and a brand and get people to know that you're out there. And so I think it's good to have, you know, maybe another job <laughs> at first, you know, to uh, help you along the way. But yeah, I think it's important to to start and to be consistent and develop the develop the practice of writing, um, and and then you can um, ramp up and escalate escalate that depending on your own sort of situation. Great advice, all of it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Well, just for your. Um, audience that's watching, if anybody wants to try out one of the Georgia Night Mysteries, I do have a free prequel to the series called Night Shift on my website, if they want to visit me there, and uh, they can download it for free and, and see if they, you know, are enamored with Georgia Night as much as I am. <laughs> and having said that, I, I just want to thank you again, uh, Debbie, for having me on your podcast, and it's been a real pleasure to be here today. Well, it was a pleasure to have you and thank you so much for spending time with us. So on that note, I will just say, um, listeners, please leave a review or um, follow us on Patreon or support us on Patreon. We have a lot of perks there for people who support us on Patreon. We've got a couple of free books. They're like collections, short stories and novels. We have a um, bonus episodes. We have all sorts of stuff for, for Patreon patrons. So please do check that out and leave a review if you enjoyed the podcast. And on that note, I'll simply say thanks for listening and happy reading.